0: Thank you for listening to the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Lake Murray Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist church located in Lexington, South Carolina. My name is David Sons, and I serve as the family and discipleship pastor here at the church, as well as the host of this podcast. Our hope is that this podcast will be a resource for our members who are seeking to live out their faith in Jesus Christ in their everyday lives. We want to use this platform to exalt Jesus and equip the members of Lake Murray to be the church where they live, work, and play. Welcome to this new episode of the Lake Murray Baptist Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. Today, we have the second part of our interview with Dr. Russell Moore, the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. We will continue our discussion about his book, The Storm Tossed Family. And if you missed part one of this interview, you can go back and find it in our podcast feed. I thoroughly enjoyed this discussion with Dr. Moore and hope that you will too. Here again is Dr. Russell Moore. Uh, so I serve as the family pastor at, at our church and, and uh, obviously spent a lot of time thinking about family. Jesus is teaching on family. And, and one of the things I don't think I'd given a lot of thought to that, that you bring up in the book uh, is uh, that family is spiritual warfare. And mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that that it was not something I'd given a lot of thought to, but as you kind of explained it in the book, I, I was struck by it. And so what does spiritual warfare have to do with the life of the family?
1: Well, you look at what's happening in in the Bible. As soon as you come to uh, the entrance of the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, immediately what happens is you have not only a disruption between humanity and God, but you have a disruption between humanity and one another uh, that is playing out. Uh, in In a huge way, within those family relationships, so the man and the woman are naked and ashamed uh, at, at the beginning, so they're and then they start blaming each other and pointing fingers at each other and then by the time you get to the next chapter, you 've got brothers killing each other, and then you go from that and you 've got polygamy and you 've got just one thing after the other of a family uh, breakdown, and that goes through the entire Bible and why. Because what we have to understand is there's a reason why we have the family structures that we have. There's a reason we don't just subdivide as amoeba. Uh, it's, it's because God has designed uh, human life to picture uh, something. And so mm-hmm. that union between man and woman, uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, it's a great mystery. Uh, we know it's there. Uh, we, we know that's a powerful pull in every human society and culture, but why? It's because it's a picture of Christ in the church. And why is it that these, uh, these parenting and children relationships are so important, so important that people uh, will be, on the one hand, uh, sometimes grieving some things that have taken place in their family of origin all of their lives. Or on the other hand, why uh, there was um, an article not long ago by hospice uh, nurses, uh, talking about sort of the last words of people. And one of the things they said was, most of the men uh, that they work with as they're dying are calling for their mom. Mm. And these are men who are you know maybe in their nineties and whose, whose mothers have been gone for decades. But that, that pulled a word. Well, why? Because God has created us in such a way that it's a child father, child parent sort of, uh, sort of dynamic at work. And so when that's the case, that means that the principalities and powers, as the Bible calls them, uh, th- they want to subvert that image as much as they can. And they'll do it whatever way they can. So if that is to uh, if that is to just tear it apart and diminish it, they'll do that. Or if it is to make it uh, make it into a replacement for God, they'll do that. But they're they're coming against it, and that's why it's so hard uh, because you're not just dealing with and that's the problem with treating family like it's an issue of expertise yeah uh you know just right. come in and do this stuff do and these seven
0: things right do for, these
1: yeah. seven things and a lot of times that's helpful because you 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 the bible does have practical sure. uh words of things to do, but never in terms of saying if you do this you're going to get to tranquility uh you're always going to have tumult going on because you're your family situation is a ground zero for all sorts of things are going on that you don't even know. And you can't even, you can't even see. So if you look at, um, for instance, Job, uh, the, the interesting thing about the book of Job, and that has a lot of family dynamic too: loss of wife and, and children and, uh, loss of children and then a marital, uh, breakdown.
0: Dispute. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most of what's going on there, Job doesn't know. You and I do, because we have the inspired word of God that's telling us what's taking place, but it is taking place sort of off stage for him in the heavenly places. Well, that's really true with all of us. Mm. Uh, and so you're always going to be in a difficult situation, and you just don't know uh, what it is that you're facing at any given moment.
0: Uh, we often hear churches using familial language to describe their congregations. And this is obviously biblical, we're the family of God. Um, but one of the things that seems to be missing oftentimes from the modern church is this real sense of family. And, and I want to read this short section from your book where, where you write about this. And you said there, there are serious consequences to losing a sense of family within the church. We assume that the nuclear family can meet this need, the need for family connection. And yet some of the loneliest, most isolated people in our communities are married with children, often so frenetically busy with child rearing and or caring for aging parents that they've lost touch with old friends and no longer know how to make new ones. I was very moved by that. And and I wonder why the definition of church as a family not merely a collection of families or just being family friendly is important to shaping the culture and mission of the church.
1: Well, I think a lot of reasons uh, one of those reasons being uh, the church's family uh, is meant to actually teach us how to uh, live in families uh, because there's I think all the time I don't know if I mentioned this in the book or not, but i I think about it literally almost every day uh, of talking to this church that um, they had a string of strip clubs in their community, and they had a real burden to reach the women uh, who were were working in those strip clubs, a lot of them trafficked, a lot of them in horrible situations. And so they recruited a group of women to go in and try to do evangelism and, and so forth. And it was a disaster because the women would think, well, you're judging me. You're, you think you're better than me. And so then they sent in a group of uh, older women. And it was even worse because the women kind of saw this as a as a, a representative of their moms. And all of them had bad relationships with their moms. But then the church didn't give up. And they sent in a group of women that were the ages of their grandmothers And almost everybody in that room had some grandmother or grandmother figure that had been an influence on them. And that's what uh, was actually able to reach tons of of different women uh, in those contexts. And when I thought about it at the time, I thought, you know, that is not unique to this Mm -hmm. situation. There are all sorts of ways I can think of in my own life that grandparents uh, were able to um, be an influence on me in a way that parents can't, Chris, just because of the natural sort of, uh, you're, you're learning to leave and cleave, uh, Genesis two. So you're, you're spending a lot of time sort of, well, who am I in relationship to my parents and where's my independence and where's my dependence? You're trying to establish all that when all that's not there with grandparents. And so they're, they're able to do things that parents can't do. Well, that's true in churches too.
0: yeah.
1: And uh, that, that's, that's something that's really important in the New Testament, using that language of brothers and sisters and using that language of fathers and mothers within the church. And if you lose that, and I think one of the reasons we've lost that is because we've, we've done sort of age-graded stuff. And I think that's good. I think there's a real, a real necessity to do a lot of age-graded, things. I'm not for putting everybody in the same Sunday school or small group. But you can overdo that where, you know, I preach in a lot of churches and I'm at the point now used to be when I started out, I would usually be talking to a group of people that would include very elderly people and very young people. Mm -hmm. Now that almost never happens. Wow. I'm speaking to Uh, a congregation that's made up entirely of 20-somethings and 30-somethings, or I'm speaking to a a congregation that is, you know, mostly entirely kind of 40s and up, Mm -hmm. and they don't have any connection with one another. And I think sometimes uh, older people within congregations think that younger people want it that way, Mm And maybe younger people think older people want it that way, when in reality, when I'm talking to most people, they actually don't. Mm. The, the, the older people think the younger people don't want anything to do with them when the younger people are pining to have mentoring and relationships and, and to, to have people pour into them and vice versa. And so I think that we lose something when we don't have that because it doesn't exist elsewhere. In in American life where people can have the kind of, um, you know, there's David Brooks had an article in the Atlantic uh, last month uh, called the nuclear family was a mistake. And like with a lot of things, a lot of people just read the headline and critique it. Sure. Right. But if you look at what he was saying, what he's saying is the nuclear family, as we see it, is a really, really modern thing. Because in every other era, uh, people would have grown up in a household with father and mother and children, but part of an extended sort of network of grandparents,
0: a- aunts, uncles.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, uh, I even, even as recently as in, in my situation growing up, I grew up with cousins uh, that were closer to me than a lot of brothers and sisters are in other families and in a situation where I saw my grandparents on both sides every day. And, you know, at least one of them multiple times in a day with a hypermobile sort of American society, that's no longer the case. We've really lost something there. Well, the church is meant to be a multi-generational family where you have mothering and fathering and brothering and sistering and and all of those things. And we really have a vacuum uh, that that we can address within the church.
0: Yeah, I think we've seen that play out even in our congregation, which is very Mm multi-generational, is just the desire of— younger uh, folks to have older saints invest in them, pour into them. And then some of those older saints who really draw life from being in relationship with young men and women. Uh, Yeah. And I
1: think sometimes the older, uh, the older Christians think, well, I'm just not, uh, I'm not relevant enough. I'm not somebody that would be, well, that's not what they're wanting. they're, They're not wanting somebody to come over and do TikTok videos with them. Uh, <laughs> right. They're wanting somebody who can be a uh, who can be a voice of uh, love and wisdom and direction. Sometimes of rebuke mm. uh, and, and a place to go. And you don't have to uh, you, you don't have to be uh, sort of what you think it is that they're wanting. They actually want the opposite of that.
0: Yeah, and and really, mo- a lot of our folks in churches are coming from families where they didn't have those things, and, yeah. and so to have someone who does, you know, speak the truth in love, and and does, you know, give a godly wisdom and advice uh, is invaluable to the life of a believer. As we
1: absolutely, and the other part of that is too. Sometimes I'll have people who will say to me, "Well, I had a terrible family background, and that means." That I'm destined to repeat that stuff. And I, I just I almost kind of laugh when somebody says that now, not because I'm wanting to make light of it, but because the people who are saying that, the very fact that they're saying it means it's not the case.
0: It's not the case, right? It's
1: not the case. They see what it is that where the the, the problem is, when you have lived through something that's abnormal and awful and you don't know that it's abnormal and awful. Right.
0: Yeah, you've normalized it, right?
1: You've norma- But people who say, you know, my parents had a bad relationship and I don't want to do that. Or um, my, my uh, a parent was abusive and I don't want to be abusive. Or my parents divorced and I don't want to divorce. Usually, in almost every case I've seen, people who, who think that way and who see that are the best fathers, mothers, husbands, right. wives, sons, daughters uh, of anybody, yeah. and so you're just not—you're not, you're not uh, predetermined to live out whatever it is that your parents did.
0: You know, Doctor Moore, we're we're living in really unique times, uh, unique season where many of us, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, have been spending. Uninterrupted days and weeks at home with our families, and yeah. uh, in the church, and in, in our church, we've tried really to encourage parents and children alike to not see this as an as an inconvenience, but but as an opportunity, and an opportunity specifically for discipleship and the deepening of those relationships. And so, I yeah. wonder what practical advice would you give to parents and families who are seeking to make the most of this season being at home together.
1: Well, I think a lot of that's going to depend on knowing your Um, knowing your family to the point that you know how each person sort of reacts to things. And so, I mean, I know in our family, there's some things that are helpful for everybody, like putting together some sort of routine. Um, where there's going to be certain benchmarks during the day because we're all, I, I was telling somebody on the phone today, I was talking about some conversation I had and I said, I don't know if it was last week or a month ago. I mean, yeah. it's like we're in the wardrobe into Narnia and time right. doesn't matter. Days so of the those, week are a thing of the past, right? They're gone. And putting those those rhythms in, uh, you know, into the day is important for everybody. But then to know uh, how do how do different people in your household react to, to all of this stuff differently? So, you may have, uh, so, you know, I, I have one of my children that I know is really sort of stressed and worried um, about all of this. And the way that you have to get to him is not straight on, but it's a, a kind of through the side. You have to know that. Um, and then others that may, uh, you know, what they may need from you is to lighten things up quite a bit. Um, one of my kids is like that. So what, you know, it's, it's sitting together and watching a funny video. Mm -hmm. And then another where what they really need is to know that you're leveling with them about. So one of my sons, it's, uh, to sit down and, and give the worst case scenario of <laughs> uh, everything here. So yeah. I think just knowing uh people. And you know, there are a lot of blessings that God can bring out of this time. And one of those things Certainly. is you can get to know uh some things that you you maybe didn't know before.
0: So for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with, a, with what exactly the ERLC is or does, the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission is the moral and public policy entity of the Southern Baptist Convention. And the work that the ERLC does in the way of defending religious liberties, speaking out on pro-life issues, and equipping the church to better serve Jesus, our neighbors, and our country is an invaluable service to our denomination. And so, Dr. Moore, in a way of closing question, our church would love to be actively praying for you and for your team at the ERLC. And so, would you mind sharing with us how we can pray for you and, and for your team at the ERLC?
1: Well, I think the main thing is uh, we're dealing with a lot of questions that just have not been raised before. Uh, A lot of opportunities. Uh, People are thinking about uh, thinking about death in a way that they have not uh, before. That can lead to some good things. Uh, Of course, remember, count your days. uh, But it also can lead to Um, a kind of uh, attempt to distract ourselves from the fear of death in ways that can manifest themselves in terrible situations. So we're having to deal with that and then dealing with all of the particularities of not just the the public health crisis, but the the economic uh, crisis that we're facing, which has all sorts of moral and ethical implications, along with the situations of, you know, I'm dealing every day with things like, public health officials saying help us to think through how to decide who gets a ventilator Mm. uh, or not. So if I have to decide Mm. between the 25 year old and the 75 year old with diabetes, how do I make that decision? So all of the, there's just so many things that are coming up right now all at once um, that I would appreciate prayer just for wisdom and to be able to uh, point them, as as always, I'm talking to a lot of people who not only don't know Christ, but they don't know any other Christians. Yeah, and so to be able to represent Jesus um, well enough that people can find him, you know, and, and look to him, hmm. uh, that, that that's what I would primarily ask for prayer for.
0: Well, we are certainly thankful for you and for your ministry and for the ERLC, and you can purchase a copy of The Storm Toss Family or any of Dr. Moore's books at most major online retailers, including Amazon Lifeway or wherever you buy your books. And you can discover more helpful resources from Dr. Moore at the ERLC's website, erlc.com, or at his personal website, russellmore.com, where he has just launched a weekly newsletter called More to the Point that goes out each Monday to your email inbox. Dr. Moore, thank you so much for writing this book, for your work with the ERLC, and for joining us on the podcast.
1: Oh, it was my honor. Enjoyed being with you. Thanks for having me. And a special thank you to you, the members of Lake Mary Baptist Church,
0: and to all of our listeners. Remember, this podcast and the other ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church are brought to you by the generous tithes and offerings of our church membership. To give to the ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can follow the link in the description. For more information about Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can always visit our church website, www.lakemurraybc.org. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. By subscribing, you'll be notified whenever a new pod is posted. We hope that you'll join us again next time as we seek to live in light of the gospel in the places where God has placed us for his glory, our joy, and others good.